How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Happy Friday, Options Action fans. We've got an exciting show for you today. Here's what's coming up. Like in the musical Oklahoma, home construction stock should be singing, everything's going my way. Exactly, how clever. But that doesn't mean the curtain won't fall at any moment. Carter Worth takes the stage to explain. Then, GM got quite a shock after teaming up with Nicola. I really like this particular stock. But headlines aside, Tony Zhang thinks this old school automaker has a better grasp of the future than many give it credit for. He'll show you how to plug in with the right circuit breaker. And in this market, Elmer Fudd might have said, be very quiet, I'm hunting yield. But in either trading or tunes, there's always a pesky wabbit to beware of. So that's obviously troubling. Professor Mike Coe sketches out a safer way to play. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Let's get right to it. The home construction trade on fire this year with both the XHB and ITB up double digits. The rally comes as mortgage rates hit new lows and homebound Americans tackle improvement projects. But our chart master, Carter Worth, says this hot space could be on shaky ground. So, Carter, what are the charts telling you? Well, I mean, the question is, at some point, is a lot or everything priced in? It's been a great area. Obviously, we know the story uh, that's been in the news about refis and about home improvement, and we know that the earnings have been great. But at some point, sometimes an area of the market is full, is rich, and I think that's the premise here. Let's look at a few charts. So the first is a two-panel, and all you're looking at is the ETF, the home construction ETF, symbol ITB, on the top. And on the bottom is relative performance to all consumer stocks, of course, which home builders are, the S&P 500 consumer sector. And so what you see, of course, is that the home builders broke out to new highs. And yet, what you can also see is, on a relative basis, they've yet to make it back to the January, February pre-pandemic high compared to the overall sector. Take a look at the second chart. Now this is the same two panel chart, but just taken back a bit further. And obviously what you see here is just how poor, frankly, home builders are on a relative basis, bottom panel, to consumer discretion. Meaning if one has a choice in a portfolio to buy Nike, for instance, or Amazon, home builders, as good as they've been, they have underperformed their sector for quite some time. Now just the ITB itself. Here's a chart about a one-year chart, no judgments or annotations by me. And yet what we do know, look at the next chart, is we have a clear break in trend. And this is what's also going on, whether it's in the QQQ or the SOX, or a lot of themes in the market. And so home builders up 23, 24% year to date versus the S&P up only three. And yet they're starting to struggle. Most of reported earnings, we do have one more, Lennar, coming out next week. I believe it's Monday after the close. But the betting here is that it's time to take profits if you're long 
or to put on a short if you're interested in acting on this judgment with new money. All right. So, Mike, given those charts, what's the trade? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to think about the fundamentals here a little bit. You know, a good friend of mine, one of the uh, directors over at ERS in Texas, Slayton Shantz, was telling me yesterday, you know, we were taught early, don't fight the Fed. And I'm not suggesting that we do that. But when we look at the home building sector overall, one of the things we can probably take a look at is that valuations are getting pretty close to full here. Right now, it's trading about 18 times earnings. That's maybe only a 10% discount to the peak valuation multiples that we've seen. So when we look at it that way, you could say this would be a time to take profit. So we're not going to go outright short here. So we should take a look also at what's going on in the options markets. Implied volatility has fallen, but it has not fallen quite as much as realized volatility has. And really, when you're selling options premium, you're trying to collect the volatility risk premium. And that is what we're trying to capture here. So I was taking a look at selling the October 48 XHB puts. You could collect about 70 cents for those and then buying the January 50 puts for about $3.20. Net-net, that's a debit of $2.50. And one of the questions we often get when you're using a diagonal like this, you're buying a longer dated option and selling a shorter dated one at a different strike against it. How do we figure out which strike we want to sell? One thing you could take a look at is you could say, all right, well, if I'm buying the January option and I'm expecting to hold this for about one month, what is that option likely to look like at that expiration of the shorter dated option. That's about one month away. And so you could look, for example, at the December 50s. And what you can then do is say, all right, which option would offset the decay that I would be likely to experience? As it turns out, the 48 strike puts in XHB in October would pretty much do a neat offset there. So you'll see peak profits at October expiration if it drifts down to 48, but you'll probably not lose anything if XHB just trends sideways from here. Before we get to Tony on, on the trade, I, I want to underscore the fact that the trade is in XHB and Carter's charting was in ITB. So, Carter, going back to you, does the XHB, do those charts look as dire as ITB? Sure. The distinction here is that ITB is dominated some 35% in two home builders. Okay. XHB is closer to an equal weight index. Uh, that is the difference, but the charts are almost the same. Okay, so Tony, what do you think of this trade? So as Mike said, I think we should look at the fundamentals here. I laid out a trade a few weeks ago on Home Depot, and the thesis behind it was just how strong the housing market has been in terms of the numbers that we've seen. Inventories are at decade lows, and you couple that with current mortgage rates, and that's a strong combination for housing stocks. So while I agree that the momentum here has certainly slowed down and started to shift here to the downside, if we look at housing, it's provided quite a bit of defense. XH, uh, XHB has only been down about 4% this week, uh, actually up significantly today while the markets were flat. So I'm not as bearish here on this particular sector. But I do like Mike's trade here because even if this, even if this sector drifts sideways, as Mike says, he can actually still be uh, remain neutral on the sidelines with this particular trade. I like the strike prices too. The fact that he bought the $50 strike price, that's slightly out of the money. That means that he's risking less capital on that January 50 put. And by selling that October 48 put, he's actually collecting a fair amount of premium that even if this trades sideways, he's not gonna necessarily take on a loss. Mike, last word. Yeah, I think one other thing to remember is that those January options capture a lot of things that the October options will not, which is not just the up last upcoming earnings that we're seeing right now, but of course the ones that they're going to be reporting in January and the election, which the options market has priced in significant volatility around that. 
So owning those January options but finding a way to finance them probably makes some sense given those factors. All right, let's shift gears here over to the autos. This week was a huge one for General Motors and electric vehicle upstart Nikola. GM announced a $2 billion investment in Nikola on Tuesday, and both stocks floored it before being brought to a screeching halt by activist investor uh, or short seller, we should say, Hindenburg, which claimed that GM was essentially duped, alleging fraud against Nikola. The company has since dismissed the allegations, but neither Nikola nor GM stocks have shaken it off just yet. If you think they will, though, listen up, because Tony is grabbing his toolkit and opening up the hood on GM. So, Tony, what's your take? What's your trade? Yeah, so as you said, there was a lot of news this week that drove volatility in both GM and Nikola this week. But what I want to do is I want to look past the noise here and I want to take a look at GM's focus on their investment for the future and take advantage of this elevated volatility and perhaps harvest some of it using options. So if we look at this, we start by looking at the GM chart here. The stock itself has really underperformed the market for multiple years, but it recently put in a bit of a bottoming formation and recently broke out above that $30 resistance level on the news of this deal. It recently obviously retreated back on the short seller piece back to that $30 support level. But that's actually the, uh, the attractiveness that I see for a long opportunity here, the fact that $30 has held. Now, whether or not Nikola is a sham or not, I'm not here to really, I don't really have any insights into that. But I don't really see that as a long-term negative for GM's business. So what I really want to focus on is that it speaks more to, in my opinion, to GM's investment into alternative powertrains for their vehicles in the long term. If we look at GM's um, portfolio here for the next four years, as you can see, the, their, their portfolio for, for electric vehicles is roughly double what their competitors are about to put out here over the next four years. And they're really focusing on those high margin, calls, high margin cars for their business. So this is one that I really quite like. So my view here for GM here is for the long term. If Nikola turns out to be a success, I do think that GM is a safer way to potentially play for that particular upside. So I like the stock in the long run and I want to utilize options here to take advantage of that elevated implied volatility. So the trade structure I'm using here is going out to October and I'm selling the $30 put options that's collecting earlier today about $1.55. That actually represents a little over 5% of the underlying stock price. And if GM is actually below $30 at October, I'm able to collect, I'm able to purchase these shares for an effective price of about $28.45. That's about a 10% discount from the price from when the news of the deal was actually announced. Micah, what do you think of this trade? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Tony's right about one thing, and that is that obviously all of the, the news that's going on around Nikola, you know, that may have some impact on General Motors, but it's not the, you know, the key story for General Motors' success. One of the things I also like is that put selling is really a good investment strategy when you take a look at, you know, things that you can do recurrently to generate some yield, to buy stocks that you want to purchase at lower prices. So those things all make sense to me. Obviously, General Motors has been trading at a discount for quite a while, and one of the things that they're facing is that they, are, they have a lot of debt, but at the moment they have sufficient cash to cover their needs, and the put that he's selling, expiring as it does in October, actually expires prior to the next time they announce earnings, which would obviously be the big and major catalyst that could potentially move the stock sharply. So that makes a lot of sense as well. So I like the strategy. You know, if I was forced to try to say, would you rather Nikola, General Motors, or Tesla? General Motors is probably the stock that I would choose. So for those reasons, I like what he's doing here. Hmm. I'm excited to get Carter's take, because if you take a look at the 10-year chart, Carter, GM shares have gone 
really nowhere. I mean, they're actually lower than they were well, you, 10 years ago. That's, that's, that is the irony. We're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of, obviously, the equity went to zero, uh, bailed out by the government. It was November 17, 2010, so in a month and a half we'll be there. And the IPO price was 33. And on the news of the Nikola uh, partnership, the stock popped to 33. So it's been a decade. And think about, obviously, with inflation. I mean, I think it's a very defensive way to be bullish. I mean, if you're really bullish, you buy calls, you put on a risk reversal. I mean, selling the puts, I get it. It's a sort of a muted uh, way to get bullish. But here's the thing. This is uh, a long-term dud. Oh, that's it. Just <laughs> so direct, Carter, a long-term dud. Okay, we're going to leave it there. <laughs> for more Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Coming up, when hunting for yield, make sure you don't accidentally shoot yourself in the foot. Professor Mike Coe is bringing out the hounds to help you find a better target. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket. Grab your phone and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at CNBCMakeIt.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action in a topsy-turvy world where a sell-off can strike at any moment and sure thing stocks are anything but a sure thing. Can we at least get some yield for crying out loud? Unfortunately, the answer is largely no. But if you find yourself yearning for that sweet, sweet yield, Micah's got a telecom trade that could pay dividends. He has dialed into this with his call to action. Mike, take it away. Yeah, so this is a tough situation, obviously, for yield-starved investors. They tend to scream for stocks that have high dividends. And if you've done anything like that, for sure, two names will have probably popped up on your list. And those names are AT&T and Verizon. AT&T right now has a dividend yield north of 7%. And Verizon's dividend yield is north of 4%. All of that while a 10-year Treasury is going to yield you about 0.66%. So you might be thinking this is a good opportunity to jump right in. But the thing is, when you see very high dividends like this, and we've talked about this in the energy space as well as we've talked about it in this one, when you see very high dividends, you should try to be a little bit skeptical. For one thing, are those dividends supported by the company's cash flows? And the other thing you should be keeping an eye on, is there any landmines that might be lying ahead? So as we take a look at these two companies, you know, it's interesting AT&T specifically had targeted reducing their net debt this year down to about two and a half times EBITDA. Obviously, with everything that has happened, they haven't been successful in doing that. Verizon, meanwhile, seems to have basically hit fewer snafus in the midst of all of this. They have slightly lower debt to EBITDA ratios, and it does seem like their plan is somewhat realistic going forward here. Another thing I would point out, they just got their results from the most recent Spectrum auction. They've picked up quite a lot, and that's one of the things that investors could be looking forward to, which is 5G. That's obviously a potential growth area for both of these companies. And I think if you're going to look at either one of them and you're looking at using options, options obviously don't pay dividends, but the price of dividends is incorporated in them. So using an investment strategy similar to the one that Tony was using on GM, 
I think if you're looking at Verizon, you could look at selling the October 60 puts. When I was looking at those earlier today, you could collect about $1.80 for those. That is going to capture essentially that dividend period. You're not going to get the dividend, but the idea is instead you're going to be collecting it in the form of options premium. If you do have the stock put to you, and that's kind of the idea here, you're going to get to own it at a slight discount. It was trading just under $60 when I was looking at this. Effectively, this is kind of like owning the stock and selling the 60 call, which is exactly what I would propose you do if you have the stock put to you. You can then look to sell upside calls against it. The reason I'm selling a put rather than, say, buying calls on it is because the stock has already had quite a run. I think Dan Nathan was actually referring to that uh, earlier in the week when looking at these companies. So I think this is a way that you can look to collect some yield. This is a relatively stable company right here. This is one of those investment strategies. And once you have the stock put to you, look to sell additional premium against it. Tony, what do you think of this trade? So out of the three telecom companies, AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, I definitely like T-Mobile the best, but as far as Verizon goes, the chart itself is actually fairly constructive. You have a breakout above that $59 level. It came back to retest that as support, and I think this is a good opportunity to potentially get long. Now, if we look at the stock itself, as Mike said, the debt and the dividends are well covered by cash flows, and we really have, you know, out of these three, Verizon is by far the highest margin of the three, and arguably probably the most boring out of the three, which for this type of investment, I think is actually a good thing. I, I like Mike's trade because he's actually selling an in-the-money put option here, unlike my GM trade, which was slightly out of the money put. So he has a higher probability of actually owning the stock, and he's collecting about 3% of the stock price to sell this put option. So he's getting about a 3% discount on the potential stock purchase here at Verizon. So I like the stock long-term, and I like the trade itself. Carter, what do you think about this, uh, this run for Verizon? Sure. So I mean, obviously, you're always going to have muted returns in an area like utilities uh, is essentially what it is. But on a total return basis, this has been a tremendous winner versus the S&P long term. The issue for the stock right now on a sort of long term technical basis is it's just returned to its 1999 peak. And in principle, this consolidation is healthy action. I think ultimately Verizon breaks out to new highs, finally eclipsing its dot-com peak. All right. Um, well, we have a news alert here that we want to get to on Merck. The company's COVID vaccine candidate has begun testing in humans. And taking a look at the shares in the after-hour session, um, we do see a l- little bit of a pop, I think. Uh, actually, I see it down about a quarter of a percent. But this is something that we're clearly watching um, as the uh, markets uh, react. Oh, here it is, up a half a percent. Um, to every little bit of vaccine news. Coming up next, shares of Apple turning sour amid the tech sell-off this week. We'll tell you what that means for one of our traders. Plus, we're taking your tweets. Send us your questions at Options Action. We'll answer some of them on air. We are back right after this. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Last week, Mike said it might be time to poke around in the financials. I was taking a look. I think we, many of us were at those sectors which might actually create some measure of outperformance if we continue to see weakness in tech. We had begun to see some green shoots in terms of rotation into financials uh, over the past couple of weeks. 
Tony was actually talking about that in Morgan Stanley last week. The thing is, even though there's good valuation story here, and even though I think the momentum is starting to turn in financials favor, I also believe it's going to be a bit of a grind. I was taking a look at XLF, a diagonal 26-28 call spread, buying the November 26s, selling the October 28s. When I was looking at that earlier today, you could spend about a dollar to do that trade. Well, the financials held up well compared to some of the other areas of the market this week. So, Mike, what are you doing with this one? Yeah, so, I mean, one thing people could do is that the October calls that were short traded down to almost nothing, and you could consider covering those. I think it would only cost you about five cents to do it. Why be short an option at that level? I don't think it makes much sense. So I'd cover that. And the reason we used calls, of course, was because we recognized that there was some downside risk, so I would stay with the November calls. All right. Well, meantime, Tony said it was still too early to give up on big tech just yet. I believe that this sell-off is going to be contained here with the volatility we've seen over the past couple of days. Now, if we look at Apple, we're really using Apple here as a proxy here for the NASDAQ 100 index. And if we look at the chart itself, there's no question about the strength of this particular chart relative to the technology sector, relative to the market, and arguably one of the stronger fundamental outlooks within the tech sector. I'm looking to sell the 115-105 put vertical here, collecting about $8.60 for that 115 put paying about $4.45 for that 105 put. Net-net here, I'm collecting $4.15. The trade is hanging in there by the skin of its teeth. So, Tony, what are you doing now? Yeah, so admittedly, I think I was probably a little a week early for this particular trade, but my original thesis that the sell-off was going to be fairly contained, that we weren't going to see a further acceleration to the downside, I think, I think still holds, especially with the Qs closing above 270 today. So the fact that this trade still hasn't hit any of my, cut lo my uh, stop loss targets yet, I think it's time to hold on to this. If the Qs break below 270 or if Apple breaks below 110 next week, I do think it's time to cut losses. Apple was down more than 7% this week, Carter. So where do you see it going? Right. I think in this instance, there is more downside risk. It's, it's so popular. It was bid up so much. It did have the split that drew in yet so many more and incremental people. I think the risk is still to the downside. Okay. Up next, we've got your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action Time for some tweets. Our first viewer asks, what spreads would you use in an iron condor for Tesla expiring the Friday of Battery Day? Battery Day is this uh, upcoming Tuesday, September 22nd. Mike, why don't you take that? Yeah, so the immediate options that expire thereafter are the ones that expire on September 25th. And this is a volatile stock, so you need to choose your strikes fairly carefully. And when you are selling iron condors, look to sell strikes that are about 30 delta on the call side and the put side. That's going to be around 420 or so based on the closing price for the upside, maybe 340, on the downside for the put. And then you just get some outside wing options to cover that. All right, final call, Carter. Home builders, they seem too hot to me. ITB or XHB, short. Tony. Look past the noise in Nikola into the future. Sell puts on GM to potentially acquire the shares at a significant discount. All right, Mad Money starts right now. 
How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.